Good evening, everybody. My name is Mason Rayburn, and this is the Rayburn Report. I want to apologize for last week. I uh, couldn't do an episode. I was currently in uh, Indianapolis, where uh, it was negative one degree, in case you thought that it was a uh, fun vacation. Um, today's episode, I want, to talk to, I want to talk about protesting, and I want to talk about two very specific examples of recent protests that have went on. Dis- uh, put aside everything you think or everything you feel about the Dakota Access Pipeline because we're not talking about whether it was it was right or wrong. We're not talking about uh, natives or, or the environmental impact or if it was some kind of favoring one side or the other or, or you know business permits or eminent domain. Put all that aside for a second. And let's just look directly at the protests that went on and what happened. The protests, I believe, for the most part, were, were nonviolent. And when you saw the dogs and when you saw water cannons being used on people in freezing temperatures, and, and this was, in fairness, this was not all the local police department. There was a uh, private security force, which was is essentially a nice word that we use for mercenaries nowadays. Who, who were responsible for this. And what you saw was was people across the board, despite how you feel about the pipeline, once again, put that aside, who look at that and say, hey, that ain't right. And on December 4th, I believe, the uh, Army Corps of Engineering denied the easement and, quote, undertaking an environmental impact statement to look at possible alternative routes, end quote. Uh, and you've got to look at that at least from the protest side, as a victory. And I, I, it always it always warms my heart when you see protesters win. Because even if you don't agree with the cause, one day there might be protests for something you do agree with. And it is very nice to know that, that the powers... Because I remember, I remember uh, at least in high school, and probably before then, in the 1990s, and in the early 2000s, I think, there was a lot of technology coming out that was going to make uh, what, what, if you disagree with the protests, you call them riots, but to make riots almost obsolete. And I remember there was this, uh, there were these beanbag-looking smoke grenade launchers, and there was uh, this sonic cannon-type device where you could point it at a crowd, and it would make noise and sound a weapon, and it would cause the, cause the crowd to disperse. And you've got to always look at technology like that because it is those images that make us react, right? It, it is the dogs and the, and the water being sprayed that, that cause the reaction. And so if you can't see that, if, you, if, if the noise thing is just a weapon, it doesn't have the same impact. If you go back to, for example, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. being arrested in the diner, he was sitting at a table. And he was arrested for it. It's those images that, that cause us to act and cause us to, to really take gravity. But what I noticed with this protest, from what I looked in the past, you would require hundreds of thousands or ten thousands of people to go out there and protest to get something accomplished. And even then, uh, you know, 
you always worry that you wouldn't have the people. And, there's, and I'm sure there's plenty of causes now where, where the primary concern is, hey, people just don't want to come out. You know, we're, we're all too happy to spend time on Facebook and Twitter saying, er, you know, we disagree with this. But very few of us, extremely small amount of us, actually go out and participate in protests and things like that. And what we saw in this is, is at least with social media, it is a amplifying effect. I mean, there was only, what, maybe a thousand people there? And because of social media and, of course, traditional media coverage, but, but, but the word of mouth and the being spread, it, it magnified this way over proportions than what normally would have been prescribed to just a couple of people or a thousand people. And uh, you do want to thank the protesters. Even if you don't agree with them, that's not easy stuff. You know, being out there in that weather and, and, you know, what you give up to go out there and do it. It is very nice to see passion in, in, in any kind of aspect, once again, even if you disagree with it. Because one day, there might be people out there protesting, fighting the fight and with things you do agree with. But I want to switch gears. And I want to talk about another protest that's happening that's not getting the same amount of attention. And it's because there's no dogs and there's no... Uh, hoses being fired on people. Um, North Carolina, in this recent election, presidentially went to Republican President-elect Donald Trump. In terms of the governor, it went to the Democratic candidate. A, uh, the attorney, I believe the attorney general of North Carolina, uh, uh, not McCroy, McCroy is the old governor. Uh, that's right, Attorney General Roy Cooper. Um, who, what's happening, in case you haven't seen it, is that the former or current governor, McCrory, has agreed and signed into act huge, a, a relinquishment of power from the government, from the governor's point of view. And by, by doing this, he's, he's essentially, what it looks like is partisan, because it looks like he is, he's weakening the Democratic governor before he can even get in the office. They're changing uh, school board election laws. They're changing Supreme uh, state Supreme Court elections. Um, for example, in the future, elections for state Supreme Courts will be partisan. So the next time North Carolina's vote for one of the top judges, they'll either know whether he's Republican or Democrats, which before it was just their names. You know, you couldn't, you'd have to actually, <laughs> surprise, surprise, look into who you were voting for. Um, right now, one of the educational appointments... McCrory could appoint up to a total of 66 trustees on the board of the 17 University of North Carolina System Schools. Uh, the trustees were responsible for making decisions regarding a university's mission, the strategy, and finances. They were a key part of McCrory's influence over thousands of teachers, researchers, and students. These new laws, Cooper can't do any of that, leaving him with zero trustees. He can't appoint anybody. And it is very easy to say that the, the defense of this, if you go look, especially at the, uh, the, the Republican National, or the RNC chairman for uh, North Carolina, defended it by saying, you know, we all do this. This is just part politics is normal. Because, it, and if you look into the history of it, in his defense, reluctantly, the Democrats did something very similar in the 1980s, albeit with the lieutenant governor, not the governor, but still, they did something very hackneyed partisan. But call me crazy, folks, it wasn't right then either. 
you know, there seems to be this thing where, oh, well, two wrongs make a right because they did it because they were absolutely partisan and, you know, they didn't care about democracy and any of this. We should do the same thing. That's not how it works, folks. Imagine if President Obama came out and said, uh, President shouldn't be able to uh, order drone strikes. Or uh, a president, you know, these little creeping powers that uh, President George W. Bush and, and uh, Barack Obama gained over the course of their of the course of presidents. These little these little powers that creep up on you as technology outpaces uh, legislation. What if he all of a sudden decided, nope, nope, uh, and it's because, uh, you know, the president shouldn't have this power, and I just came to this uh, this re realization at the end of my term. That's not how it works. The, the peaceful transition of power over to opponents is democracy. It, it's, or it, actually, technically it's republicanism, but it, it is the foundation of government. Because if we're trying to one over on each other, it's going to get dark quick, folks. Do do governors in North Carolina have too much power? I don't know. Don't live in the state. Does the president of the United States have too much power? Absolutely. Would I like to see that curtailed and brought back? 100%. But I don't want it to be because of someone having a different letter next to their name. That's ridiculous, folks. But... Getting back onto the actual story, the protest, people were arrested in North Carolina for sitting on the, the second floor of the state legislature house and refusing to leave. You know, they, they, they believe that this is unconstitutional, that this is a power grab, that this is, this is politics at its worst, and God bless them. They went out, they protested. You can't protest on the second floor of state legislatures. And so what happened is the police officers and the, the, and the protesters were very nice very peaceful, very calm. I mean, you can go online. There's one video of the, one of the police officers, you know, squatting down saying, ma'am, you know, I'm going to have to remove you. And she invites him to Christmas dinner. Like you, you can't make that up. He, she invites him to Christmas dinner and he's like, well, you know, I've got to, I'm going to ask you to leave. If you don't, I'm going to have to rescue you. Arrest you. Do you understand that? And she's like, yes, absolutely. And they arrest her. But because this is a peaceful protest because of the powers that be, the authorities in this, aren't, you know, violent or, or doing the things that, that, that generate the knee-jerk responses of, hey, because the powers that be aren't, you know, being shown in this horribly negative light against normal people, we just, it doesn't make the news as much. So, you know, you can agree or disagree with, with either side. You know, once again, I can see the pros of, of wanting to limit executive power. I can also see the pros of doing it to spite the rival team type of deal. Uh, and, and it's just time to hold people accountable. You know, and, and once again, the Republicans in North Carolina, the, the, the governor and the legislature are not representative of all the Republicans across the country. And so, and just like the, the protesters for the Dakota Access Pipeline are not representative of all environmental activists or, or, or native defenders, or I, I actually think some veterans went out and protested too. And once the veterans showed up, you know, it, it is, it, it's game over. You, you turn dogs and water cannons on veterans and you let me know how fast your little pipeline gets canceled. 
but but that's just really what I wanted to talk about this week. I didn't have a lot of time to prepare because we're all handling Christmas stuff, and um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about protesting is fundamental to our ways of government. It, it is something that we had to fight for. It is not something that has always been. It is, it is extremely new in terms of human history. The ability to protest your authority, the authorities that, uh, that quote, rule you, unquote. And, and whether or not you agree with them, or whether or not you even think it's legitimate, the fact that we live in a country where you can do that is something to be thankful for. Um, in closing statements, just remember, God, i got to edit this part too. I want to thank all of you for listening in. I want to wish all of you a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, every holiday that bees, Wintermas, Festivus, the Winter Solstice, Happy Holidays, for those of you who don't get offended by two words. And I will see you hopefully next week. Thank you.